You're listening to the QPEM Podcast. To listen to our previous Sunday worship services, please visit our website at www.qpem.org. That's qpem.org. This week's message was given by Pastor Peter Kim. We're continuing our series on work. We've been going through it for the past few weeks. And and just a reminder to us all, again, God is showing us, right, that, hey, work is something that's good. It, it's a blessing. It's a privilege. And I know uh, many of us, it may seem burdensome and frustrating, but God created us to work. He designed us for that purpose. It was something good to be part of expanding, uh, you know, the garden, right? The Garden of Eden, it was to be expanded and cultivated and, and, and spread through the world to bear his very image to all the creation and you know I'm asking us you know I've been talking to some of you guys and some of the college students even at, at school you know how is God speaking to you now especially with regard to your work your very work that you're in um, or your students your your major that you're studying for and and the job that you hope to get uh, upon graduation one day you know hopefully your perspective on work is starting to change your understanding, your attitude towards work. That we would get back to the very purpose and meaning of what God created us for. It's something easier said than done. Uh, yeah, maybe this is the what, fourth week in this series and uh, it takes time to change something that perhaps has been so ingrained in us a whole life perhaps, right? And we're struggling, and believe me, if you're struggling, you're not alone in this, um, to really understand how work is supposed to be a blessing and not a curse even. You know, this past week was rough for me especially, and trying to balance, again, the church ministry, but a lot of you know, very important things going on at church, and Pastor Richard's on board now, we're, we're, we're working on the transition here, but now this week I have to also oversee my two boys, right? And, you know, first full week of remote learning, I'm telling you, this was like the first time I would think, maybe seven months since the pandemic began in late February, March, I literally prayed to God for the pandemic to end. I was praying to God. I mean, of course, we've had miserable things happen and a lot of calamity. This week, I felt it. I was like, God, please, Jesus, you know, save this world, end this pandemic, let the kids go back to school. This is not the way it's meant to be. I'm like praying for God to come and Jesus to return, you know, like tomorrow if possible, you know, please, you know. I know tomorrow's school is off, praise God for that, but hey, no more, right? It's very rough, and a lot of parents going through this struggle. I know a lot of you guys also facing challenges at your workplace, and it's, it's, it's not easy. And today, God, again, wants to remind us that he hasn't just redeemed us and, and restored this relationship with the maker, creator, to just change a part of our life. Maybe the part that we come on Sundays here and you're more people, great to see our faces, our deacons now starting to come back to worship. Praise God for that. And, and yeah, Sunday's great. Maybe our small group meetings are great. Discipleship, more Wednesday night prayers, horizon. But hey, God's not doing everything here. And he surely didn't send Jesus just to change us for a day or two of the week. See, when you encounter the living God in your life, when Jesus Christ comes into your life, he changes and transforms every part of life. Isn't that true? The way you view life in general, the way you approach new relationships, from some of your singles, the way you approach dating and marriage and 
Our view on sex and our view on money and finances, all of that is changed now. There's a Christian distinctive uniqueness to the way we view the world. And everything changes when you meet Jesus. And that includes our work from Monday to Friday or Monday to Saturday, perhaps for some of you. And I want to ask today the question, are we following Jesus, living as his disciples and ambassadors, his representatives, throughout our life, especially Monday through Friday, and not just the weekend or here on Sunday at church? Are we following Christ in our life? All of it, you know? Today there's a story in the Bible of someone who is working and living for the things of this world. Uh, His whole work week was to live for one thing, for himself. And an encounter with Jesus would change everything, okay? Let's go to the story and, and hear what God has to teach us today on this Lord's Day. Would you turn with me again? The Gospel of Luke chapter 19. It's a fascinating story here. And again, the context has been read. Jesus is entering Jericho. He's passing through this city. It's a vibrant city. Uh, It's a major custom center, if you want to say. There's a lot going on, a lot of activity here, a lot of people. And in verse 2, we meet this man named Zacchaeus. It says in verse 2 that he was a chief tax collector. He was rich. Very interesting details about this man Zacchaeus. Tax collector, very rich and wealthy. If you look at verse three, we'll get to kind of the story as it un- un- unfolds in a bit, but you know, it says he was also short, okay? He was a man small in stature. It's very interesting details that the gospel writer is putting, and there's a reason for that. He's not just you know, doing it for no reason. Short, small in stature, wealthy, rich, gives us an insight into this man Zacchaeus. What kind of a man was he? What's he driven by, right? What drives him? What are his passions? What is his motivation in life, right? Well, his job, if you want to say, his work, his career, livelihood, he's a tax collector. And what was that? Well, give you context back in Jesus' day. In the Roman government at times as they ruled over Israel, right? The Romans levied these oppressive taxes on the people. In each colony, the Roman government laid these taxes as a means, why? To transfer the nation's, uh, Israel's wealth to Rome, right? And to the Roman citizens. It left all the colonial, I guess, societies impoverished and it kept them subjugated. That's kind of how the Roman government wanted it to be, right? And to accomplish this, the tax system here, it depended on officials. They were charged with extracting um, from their Roman overlords, for their over, over, Roman overlords, this tax income from each region that was targeted for the collection. So the Roman government gave these officials authority and power to go and extract for their overlords all this Money and taxes from the people. And as you can imagine, the people then hated these tax collectors. These tax collectors were despised, you know. They were outcasts, you know. A pariah, if you want to say. Zacchaeus was one of them. 
He was despised by the people. In verse seven even, Luke says, all the people, they saw this and began to mutter to the Zacchaeus, hey, he's gone to be, or he's talking about Jesus here, but he's gone, Jesus, to be the guest of a sinner, they said. Here's Zacchaeus in the people's eyes, labeled as a sinner, an outcast. And perhaps today, if you want to try to correlate this, um, maybe if you meet someone that works from the IRS, a tax collector, you know, probably maybe they're not going to be your best friend per se. You know, IRS agents. If you meet, have you ever met an IRS agent that's told you, "Hey, by the way, I'm an IRS tax agent." You know, I don't think they introduced themselves that way, right? They're not going to do that. Why? Because there's a stigma attached, right, to their livelihood or their job. You know? It's even more so in Jesus' day. Tim Keller's book, uh, Counterfeit Gods, a great book. He even writes uh, in, in, in association to these tax collectors back in Jesus' day, to, to today's society. He says, envision, you know, these people, if you want to think of who they really are, it's, it's worse than maybe even IRS tax agents. Think of drug lords, he says. Okay? Drug lords who get rich enslaving thousands of maybe the weakest people in the inner city. Maybe you can envision them as sex slave masters who enslave women for profit. Think of today, the modern day robbers who buy out and and destroy companies or sell common mortgages that people can't afford while making millions for themselves or, you know, Madoff, if you want to say, Bernie Madoff. That's the key is here, okay? We have to know who, who we're talking about right now. The character here, Zacchaeus. You ask him, then about Zacchaeus, what would drive a man, what would drive anyone to a profession where everyone hates you? What would lead you to to work in a career where everyone despises you? Well, there's reasons. The first and foremost reason, if you want to see, simply it's money, right? Money. Zacchaeus was driven by money, right? The love of money. He's not an ordinary tax collector even, no. Verse two tells us that, if you look at it, described he was a chief tax collector. One of the top tax collectors in all the region. That makes him in the upper echelon of those who have wealth and money And with this, it's not just money and wealth, it is a position that comes with power, authority, position. Zacchaeus is working for money and also in his line of work that gives him an identity, his sense of worth, if you wanna say, it's power to control people's lives, to make people's lives literally miserable. If you don't pay your tax, I can send you off into the jails or even worse. He's driven by these things in his work, in his vocation, if you want to say. He's storing up for himself all these treasures on earth, right? The riches for himself. It's a man who lives for one thing alone, himself alone. And maybe you can even say, that in what he lacked, if there's anything he lacked, perhaps it's you know, his physical stature, right? Again, verse three, gospel describes him as a short man. He seeks after that in what he lacks in his work, right? He's trying to find his worth in his work 
and how now others will see him. The world, it looks at us, right? Outwardly, on our outside, by what we do, by where we live, what we drive. And that's the world that we're living in today, this fallen world, you know? And it's interesting, as I was researching even just Zacchaeus, and the details that the gospel writer writes, his short stature, okay? Let's go a little deeper into what's driving Zacchaeus' heart. Why is it so important to him, you know? about you know, his workplace, giving him stature. I, I came across a survey, it's an interesting survey, of a, a survey of 14, Fortune 500 CEOs. Fortune 500 CEOs. And an extensive survey here, it revealed that of all these CEOs in, in our country, in America, on average, guess what their height was? What do you, I'm gonna put John on the spot, John. You're in the finance world. An average height for a CEO, what do you think it is? 5'8", wow. In fact, it's a lot taller than that. Six foot even for an average height of a CEO in our country is approximately actually two and a half inches taller than the average American man, okay? 5'8", 5'9". About 30% of the CEOs are actually even taller, six foot two in height compared to only maybe 3.9% of the overall U.S. population of this height. Think about that, okay? 30% of the CEOs above six foot two, right? Other surveys are uncovering that less than 3% of CEOs are below five foot seven or five foot eight in height. 90% of the leaders who run the companies and businesses in our country are above average in height. You think about that, why is that, you know? Some, these researchers even calculated, um, they analyzed data from four different, like, you know, large research studies that found that they followed thousands of people from birth to adulthood. I don't know how they did that, but they calculated that when corrected for variables like age and gender and weight, an inch of height, the taller you are, is worth an average of $790 a year increase in salary even, okay? So a person, that means that if a person's like six foot tall, otherwise is identical to someone maybe who's five foot five, they will make on average $5,600 more a year just because of their height. Think about that. You know? That's the world we live in. Maybe there's a reason we see the world outwardly. Height and strength conveys in all of that. It's not that much different at all. Nothing's really changed since Zacchaeus' day. Zacchaeus, short in stature, perhaps. The thing that he's lacking in his life, you know. His identity, society has cast on him. Well, you know what he says? I'm gonna get my worth, right? I'm gonna be someone, you know. Get my status from my workplace. And it drives him to be not just a tax collector, a chief tax collector, to even rob people, you know, hardworking people of their money. And what does that give him? It gives him power now. That he didn't get normally from his own, I guess, uh, stature from the world. Now he feels power, control, wealth. There's a lot of reasons why people work today. Right? It's not just for money. 
It's not just to store up riches on, on earth and to buy nice things. A lot of people are driven by identity and what their job gives them, right? And, and, and elevating their status and feeling good about themselves and how others view them, right? This is a motivating factor for Zacchaeus' work. You can say now, hey, Zacchaeus has it all. He's got it all, money, wealth, power, position, everything from his workplace a person would desire. What more would he need? But yet here in this story, at a critical juncture, we see Zacchaeus is looking for something still. Everything that the world would say, hey, he's got it all to spend now. Still something missing in his life. Still something that he's looking and longing for. He thought he could find it in his work, but he hasn't found it. There's something that we are all searching for and longing for, and many of us try to look for that in our workplace, in our career, what I do with my life. I'm gonna find that purpose and meaning, right? Even satisfaction, I'm gonna find it in my, in my career, and we think that. And yet how often we get disappointed, discouraged when we're in whatever job we're in and it leads to disappointment, frustration, failures even. No wonder so many people in our world today is depressed, going through just depression, loneliness, and just a feeling of unfulfillment in their work because we're looking for something and we can't find it in our work in this world. In his book, Mere Christianity, another classic, right? C.S. Lewis. He writes, I shared this quote before, I believe. He says, a baby feels hunger, and yet there is such thing as food, we know. A duckling wants to swim, well, there's such thing as water. Men feel sexual desire, well, there is such a thing as sex. If I find in myself now a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, then the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. Think about that. All our desires, everything that we're looking and craving for, even the animals and the ducklings and the things that we, we crave, there's a world offers it. But if there is a desire in us, and we all have it, if there's something we are longing for, in which nothing in this world can satisfy, including our work, the only explanation probable that we can have is that it's not in this world. Right? In fact, I was made for another world. In fact, I was made for a, a world that God intended that we saw in Genesis 1 and 2, right? That we'll see in Revelation 21, right? It's another world that is not yet, it's starting already, but not yet, that will surely come, but we're longing for that. We're aching for that. And Zacchaeus is in that place now. Here, his whole life, his work based on money and identity, self-worth. If he loses that, if he loses his wealth, guess what? There's no self left in him, right? Because why? Everything of his personal worth is based on his position as a tax, chief tax collector and his financial worth. That's his identity. 
He's lived for that. He's worked for that. But now still, he's come to this place now. He's, he's not finding that satisfaction there, even there. He's longing for something more. And he's not having found it in this world. And that's the place where Jesus wants us. To be at that place where we recognize, hey, there's something missing and I cannot find it in this world. You see what I'm saying? He's wanting all of us to get to that place. And I pray that we get to that place, whether in your work, where you achieve the top of the top. And we have successful people in QPEM, right? And you're striving, we're striving to be, you know, hey, I want to be a, maybe a management one day, maybe a CEO one day, you know? Maybe I want to be the chief surgeon, I don't know, who else, right? I want to be the top lawyer in my firm. Wherever it is, we want, we're striving for that. And we get to that mountaintop and we see, hey, I still am missing something here. What I thought I would find here, it's, I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't experience it. And that's the place that God wants us to be. When we have it all in life, and yet we do not have in our hearts. And that's where Jesus wants us to be, and that's where Jesus finds Zacchaeus here. Verse three. It says he was seeking to see who Jesus was. He's seeking to see who this guy Jesus is. You can say at, at this point, he isn't, he's not even sure why, you know? He's not even sure why, but it's absolutely clear Zacchaeus is seeking, he's making an intentional, deep effort to see who Jesus was. And, you know, just even just like, like literally, you know, he's trying to look at Jesus because he's a short man, remember? That detail that Luke provides. He's a short man. He's trying to see Jesus through the crowds and above the crowds and vision like ton of people, right? just ton of people crowding around Jesus. So all the, you know, even, you know, the short, hey, I'm trying to see you, Jesus, too. That's what Zacchaeus is. And what does he do then? Look at me in verse four. He runs ahead. He climbs up onto the sycamore tree to see him, for Jesus was about to pass that way. Again, very important understanding the context here of, of the society that, that Zacchaeus is, is living here in, in Jesus' day, in his culture, Zacchaeus' culture, a man of his stature, right? Wealth, prominence. A man like Zacchaeus, they don't climb trees, right? Okay. A man like Zacchaeus, they don't run up and climb a tree. <laughs> They'd be ridiculed, right? They'd be absolutely scorned. Yeah. What is this man of dignity and honor doing? Can you imagine any kind of like, think about like a prominent leader or position, a man of power, you know, running up to climb a tree to see someone? It doesn't matter to Zacchaeus anymore. His honor, dignity, self-worth. He's come to a place, and again, this is that place in one's life a place where he does not care now, perhaps for the first time, what others think of him, what his work has given to him in his stature, how he looks to others, his position, all his wealth, accumulations, his treasures on earth. He hasn't found it in his work, so now he comes to this place. And you can say it's a place of humility, surely a place of desperation, a place where we realize that this world doesn't have what we're looking for. 
And when we get to that place, that's where Jesus meets us. Look with me, verse five. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, hurry up and come down, for I must stay at your house today. It's interesting, you know, we think it's Zacchaeus who's trying to find Jesus. We think we're the ones trying to find something. Truth is, we're the ones that are actually lost, right? We're the ones lost. Zacchaeus is lost. Jesus is the one who finds him. I praise God. Jesus, in fact, he singles out Zacchaeus from the crowds. Again, he's one of the most notorious sinners, according to all the people. It's a scandal. It's shameful for any leader, let alone a religious leader like Jesus, to associate, we know, with any such sinners. Jesus doesn't just go to the religious people who on the outside, the world says, yes, they are holy, religious. They're the ones we should hang out with and you know, associate with. Now, Jesus doesn't go after that. He goes after the heart. He goes after the sinner. He says, calm down, hurry up, come on, Zacchaeus. I, I must stay at your house. Jesus is saying, I must have fellowship with you today, okay? Let's break bread together. I'm extending a relationship, a friendship with you, Zacchaeus. Come down, would you? So what does Zacchaeus do? Verse 6, he, he hurried and came down, and he received him joyfully. Ah. Oh. There it is. Something's happening in Zacchaeus now, right? You follow me? There's this great joy that he's starting to experience. It's a joy that results in life transformation. Look what's happening with Zacchaeus here. And look what's happening with this encounter with Jesus in verse 8. Zacchaeus stands up and he says to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor here. This day, right here, right now. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. Encounter with Jesus changes lives. Encounter with Jesus doesn't just change a part of one's life, the Sunday Christian part of our life. It transforms everything. And even his workplace, Zacchaeus, his whole perspective on his work and what he's working for, what's driving him, money, wealth, power, position, everything. Guess what he does now? Hey, Zacchaeus says, hey, God, I'm going to give half of my goods. I'm going to give 50% to the poor. Remember, the Mosaic law, what the Mosaic law requires of tithe, if you want to say, it's 10%. 10%. That's a Mosaic law. Zacchaeus says, I'm going to go beyond the law. Okay. What, 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 what's happening to me now? You know, this, what, what, what has found me, really? I want to give more. Half my goods I give to the poor. Praise God. This is generosity we're talking about, right? There's no end there, really. Justice? You want to talk about justice? If I have defrauded anyone of anything, and I have, I know I have, okay? I'm a chief tax collector. I've defrauded Thousands of people. I've taken more than I should have, right? I want to return it. How much? Fourfold. My work's going to change now, okay? You see? My perspective on my work, my reason, motivation is changing. Why? Because I found a new life. 
See, before, you know, my self-worth, money, that was important. That was my identity. What's changed now? What did he find? A new identity. A new self-worth. And what is that? Verse 9, Jesus says to him, today, salvation has come to this house. Since he also is a son of Abraham, Zacchaeus has found salvation. Zacchaeus has found meaning, purpose, hope, a reason to live, a reason to work. He's found eternal life, everlasting. Why? Because now I have a relationship. He has a relationship with the living God through his son, Jesus Christ. Before to Zacchaeus, money, power, status, everything. Now, Jesus is everything. Jesus initiates grace. He extends grace. Remember what grace is? It's an unmerited favor. It's a favor that we did not merit ourselves. We did not earn or work for or deserve. It's a free gift. Nothing that Zacchaeus did that he deserved. He was a sinner, clearly. Jesus is looking for sinners. Not just outwardly holy people. The Christian on Sunday who comes dressed Nicely in a you know, suit or whatnot. The world looks for all those things, right? The world, you know, hey, six foot two CEO, you know, that's what we want. No, Jesus is looking at the heart. He's looking for people who are broken. Those people that are in a place where they recognize they need a savior. A place you can call a, a spiritual bankruptcy, right? Where in the world I may have it all. My barn is full of treasures on earth. I am spiritually bankrupt. Just looking for people in a place where they grasp, you know, this world doesn't have what I'm looking for. My soul is not at rest. <laughs> and when we go to that place, and, and that place can be a very you know, dark place, it can be a very you know, painful place, and maybe you know, some of us are going through that in this COVID season, right? With our job situation, with our relationship situation, our health situation, and maybe it's in that place where Jesus will find us, right? An encounter with Jesus that changes everything of our life, including our work, okay? Now, I wanna be clear. It doesn't mean that, again, (laughs) the sense that, okay, now that I found Jesus or Jesus found me, now I gotta change my career, right? That's some, another maybe error that we, we associate with work and faith, you know? That the only way to please Jesus now um, with my work is if I'm engaged in something that directly you know, promotes the gospel, right? I even, you know, am guilty of that. When I was working as an engineer, I, you know, here am I, you know, thinking that, hey, when I'm at church, you know, doing Bible studies, leading, you know, worship or small groups, yeah, then I'm doing God's work, and here I am now as an engineer just doing the world's work. You know, I'm separating these two areas of my life. I know there's some members, and I praise God, you know, for our, our members and leaders who are growing in faith, and I know there are some members, and this one, you know, deacon, I'm not going to call that deacon out, but I was just, just really encouraged and just challenged myself. This one deacon said, hey, I'm in this workplace, this area that's, I know, you know, it, it's, it's, it's not settling for my heart. It's in the, you know, industry of alcohol, and, 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 and I'm working there every day. It's, I'm making a lot of money, a lot of money there. But I, I, I don't feel at peace in this industry. And he, I said, pray about it then, pray about it, you know. 
and see what the Lord leads you. And he prayed, and, and, and the Lord led him to change his career at a very late stage in his life. And maybe some people, they may, the Lord may do that. If, if whatever that industry or workplace you're in is, is not something that you, know, you feel that, that, that God is calling you to to expand his kingdom, perhaps. But don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that now you know, our, our career changes now. Our, you know, all our careers ought to be now something involved with the church. That if, if you're a, a teacher, that you only teach now religious subjects, you know? Or if you're an actor or a writer, that you only perform things that just explicitly just mention Jesus. That's not what we're saying here. What changes Zacchaeus' work, he, he never said that now I'm not going to be a tax collector anymore, right? That Jesus, now I'm going to be a missionary, you know, for you. Zacchaeus never says that in the scripture. We can infer that he's gonna continue on being a tax collector as his profession, but he's gonna change how he goes about doing that very work. You see the difference there? It's not necessarily Jesus changing what you're doing in your work or your job or career, it's how we do our work and what we do it for. That's what encounter with Jesus changes. So often again in life, we, we, we separate these two areas, our work and church, or, or work and faith. You know, one area you know, is, is a spiritual area, my church, my faith. The other is a physical, more secular area, my workplace. Tom Nelson, again, author of Gospel Shaped Work, he says, we mentally put our walking with God and our working at my job or in my home, we put it in different boxes. That's what we mentally just do, even just subconsciously. Because of the fall, like we said, you know, we don't see God in our work and we forget that actually work matters to God, remember, and God should matter to our work then. Right now what we're happening is we're experiencing these problems, we're separating this, two areas of our life. Work and church, we call it, if you wanna say a fancy word, dualism, okay? Dualism, two ways, you know? That we, we, we live life in the same life, but we separate two areas of life, right? Are we doing that in, in any essence? Um, you know, again, I look at my uh, you know, young adult years, in my church life, serving you know, faithfully. I was on the Pixels ministry, you know, welcoming small groups, worship, mission church. I was serving on the board of directors at church, a follower of Jesus Christ on Sunday, you can say. I was even known as Mr. Fellowship. That's what they called me at church, okay? I love to just, you know, just let's get together, you know? Let's hang out. Mr. Fellowship, that's, what I was, that was my nickname back you know, in my old, young adult years. Let's do the church, and I was, I was known for, to be that guy, right? But Monday through Friday, I'm an engineer at General Motors. I look at my work, I reflect upon that. I did what every other engineer did. I worked on my assignments, tried to you know, be diligent as possible. On my breaks, you know, I talk sports you know, with my colleagues. Oh, we complain and gripe about our bosses, our supervisors, sure. And then we, you know, plan our very next you know, vacation with the time off that we're gonna get, right? It's 
complete separates. And this mindset now is what's prevailing in our work today. He says, you know, even the world says you, you, you shouldn't mix these two areas up. Keep your work work and church, you keep it there. Your faith should stay there, right? The world that you know, we live in, you know, politically correct world says, hey, you know, don't, don't bring your faith into this workplace, right? Right? Don't, don't you bring your, your beliefs, you know, in, in this workplace, you know, we, 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 we don't do that. We respect everyone's beliefs. Of course we do. But don't be talking about anything you know, church-related there, of course. Here's a problem with that. Where is the majority of our life spent? If you think about it, do the hours, calculate, add up all the hours we spend. The majority of our life is actually not at home or even at church or with our families. Most of our earthly life Monday through Friday is spent at our work. It's a huge, huge part of our life. And the question God is asking us today, is Jesus leading your life during Monday through Friday, especially at work? Are we following Jesus from Monday through Friday? People say, keep religion out of work. Your workplace is not that place, think about it. We went through Reason for God, Keller, one of the things that really struck me, you know, right? What is the most important thing, if I were to ask you today, what is the most important thing in your life? Above everything else, okay? What is the one thing that, that defines who you are, that you find your identity in, that without it, you would not be the same person? Think about that right now. And I want to challenge this, and I thought about this myself even. I love my family, my wife, my kids. I could lose my family, God forbid. I could be taken away. I could lose my job. I could lose my health. I could lose my house, my possessions, all of it. But I'll be still who I am. I'll be, of course, changed and all that stuff, but... The one hope that I have is, you know, one day, you know, hey, I'm going to get it all back. How? Because when Jesus returns, it's all going to be restored. That's what, you know, the beauty of the, the gospel and, and, and the restoration that promises to come. But, but here's the one thing if I lose. If I lose my faith, if that's taken away, I'm not the same person, am I? Right? My future surely won't be the same. Thankfully, the Bible reassures us that if you believe in Jesus, you know, you surrendered your life to him, your faith is secure. You cannot lose that. I'm I'm sharing this as an example here. If you lose that, then you're not you, right? And if that's true, if, if that's the most important part of who you are, your life, that you cannot live without, be without, then how can we say, that in the area of life where we spend the majority of our time in, which is our work, that we are to take out the most important thing of who you are. That you are to take your faith out of your work. Doesn't make sense. If your work is telling you, hey, when you show up here, you check in, you, you know, you're no longer Christian, child of God, son and daughter of the living God, just be, you know, 
a worker. <laughs> Doesn't make sense to, to, to say that area of my life is now separate from who I am. Jesus says, when you encounter me, all of your life changes. Everything changes, not just Sunday, Monday to Friday, especially at your workplace. Jesus calls us to conduct our work then differently. Let him lead in the different ways at your workplace, right? Even in the context of this tax collector, how should Zacchaeus, obviously he's you know, giving back and all that stuff too, but look at what even Luke chapter three, verse 10 to 14, John the Baptist, even before Jesus comes, he's proclaiming that baptism of repentance, right? For the forgiveness of sins. The crowds are hearing this warning and they're asking John the Baptist, what shall we do? And look what John the Baptist says. It's astounding with regard to work and how specific and detailed he gets. He says, he answered them, well, whoever has two tunics is to share with him who has none. Whoever has food is to do likewise. And look with me, a man like Zacchaeus, verse 12, tax collectors also came to be baptized and said to them, teacher, what should we do? And he said to them, collect no more than you are authorized to do. Collect no more than you are authorized to do. Jesus is not saying stop being a tax collector. Jesus is not saying, hey, now you be a missionary or a pastor. Do your job, collect now from here no more than you're authorized to do. Be my witness, be my example. Stop robbing people, stop cheating them. Show how the gospel has changed your life. When you encounter Jesus, he affects your work and he challenges you in your work. You know, as we close, you know, I want us to maybe think of some practical ways in your workplace, whatever work that God has called you to, how can the gospel now affect me and change how I do work? Let me ask you some questions as we take away reflections. How can you love your neighbor at your work? One of the great commands, right? How can you love your neighbor in your workplace? Is there an opportunity to support or care for someone there or to encourage someone? Is there an opportunity to, to give value to the work to, to, that gives to others, to bless and encourage and practically help, you know? Martin Luther says, God does not need your good works. Your neighbor does, okay? That's what Martin Luther said. You know, work's a place where we can serve God by loving our neighbor, learning to love your neighbor. You know, how can you show justice in your workplace? Can you maybe foster an environment in your workplace that, that, that prevents sexism or racism or homophobia even? That a workplace, you know, these crude jokes or whatever could not just be, you know, just taking, you know, nonchalantly, ha ha, laugh here and there. Can we, you know, foster an environment that gives justice and loves justice to the people? Obviously, how can we share the gospel, right, in our workplace? Right? Not just through word, obviously here's, you know, what, what Jesus says, but through our deed, right? Our actions, our, our choices, our decisions we make. How hard we work, for what purpose? Why are you working so hard, man? You know, what's the reason? Why, why are you here so often, you know? What, what's, what are you doing this for, you know? Giving them a different motivation, right? How can you create beauty in your work? Something that would share the, the image of God in whatever you are doing or called to. How can you worship God in your workplace, right? While even at work, to pour into a service, uh, something... Uh, not just on Sundays here, but 
to see our work as an act of worship where we give glory to God in whatever you do, right? There's many ways that we can you know, allow Jesus to shape us in our workplace. And when we start doing that, we start to find and understand, hey, work, man, it's not a burden as much, right? It's not frustrating, it's not a chore, it's not a curse. I'm starting to see this as something beautiful and it's liberating, it's free. I, I can't even find rest in my work. And we're starting to see now how our perspectives in life change. You know, as I invite the worship team up, and Jesus is asking, you know, have you encountered me? Have you found me? Or better yet, have I found you? Right? Have you gone to that place, church? Where you sought after everything in this world. And you've tried to find that, right? The meaning and satisfaction, the hope and try to build it up through your work and, and, and you've, you've accumulated a lot but you, you, you know what I'm talking about you, you're in that place where hey you know it's not there yet okay I still have not found it I'm still missing that something that gives me true satisfaction and and a sense of hope and a purpose and meaning of life we sought after all these things and one after another we failed and we led to disappointments and discouragements we have nowhere else to turn that's where Jesus wants you to be and as we go into a time of prayer and response some of you feeling that <laughs> just a place of burden and anxiety and you're not finding that fulfillment in your work or life and you feel, man, well, how am I here? Why am I here? And today, God may be telling you, that's exactly where I want you to be. That's the only place where I think you'll be looking for me and I'll look for you. And in that place, I promise to, to invite you into a fellowship. life relationship together to put Jesus into your life and receive him in your hearts when you encounter Jesus it changes everything church all of your life not just on Sundays Monday through Friday and beyond for those of you who have encountered Jesus pray am I reflecting Christ in my work Am I following Jesus Monday through Friday? Am I showing him, others, who he is? And bringing him glory and honor, showing his beauty, loving my neighbor. Let's pray. We would store up treasures in heaven. God, would my work now be changed? something beautiful and honoring to you. Let's pray, church. Lift them Thanks for listening to the QPEM podcast. For more information on our church, please visit our website at www.qpem.org. That's Q-P-E-M.org.